greet you this morning in the name of Jesus. I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to another one of the Psalms, Psalms 26. The last several times I've been sharing, I've been looking at some of David's thoughts. Psalm 26 this morning is, is known as council service, and as I, I thought about the aspect of this service, purpose, I thought of David's experience and expression here in Psalms 26. And I have penned above this psalm, and I'm not sure when I penned it in my Bible, uh, moving closer to God. And, uh, you know, I think it's good that we focus on moving closer to God. It's, uh, I think it was mentioned in the Sunday school class that nothing happens without purpose. And we have to have that as a purpose and a goal in our lives that we want to become more Christ-like. And, uh, you know, our council service, it's not... It's not going to happen just doing it twice a year. We need to do it on a daily basis. That's when we can actually get closer to the Lord, read His Word, fellowship with Him, pray to Him, talk to Him. I'd like to read this psalm, Psalm 26. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with disassemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving, and tell all of thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place, in the congregation will I bless the Lord. Our scriptural biblical premises for our service today, known as council meeting, is taken from the New Testament. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, we find there that Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, used somewhat the same word. Uh, I should just turn back to that, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse uh, 28, familiar verse. Um, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But, we, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Now that word that, that Paul used there in, in 1 Corinthians uh, is a Greek word in the original translation there, and it's very similar to the Hebrew word and has a lot of the same thought that David used there when he invites the Lord to examine me. And the, the, uh, the thought that would be given to that would be the idea of, God, I want you to test me, try me, prove me, are some of the, some of the thoughts that would be included in that word. Isn't this really what life is all about? We talk about life as being a proving ground, a preparation for eternity. And uh, 
we as followers of Jesus this morning are concerned that we are living lives that are, are like I mentioned, moving us closer to God, making us more God-like, making us more Christ-like. And we look forward to that day when sometime we will be in his presence forevermore. But that's what life is all about. And while we're in this preparing state, we, on a regular basis, for us as a congregation twice a year, we, we come together and we share the, the remembrance emblems of his suffering and death and the redemption that we experience by giving and yielding our lives to him. And as I read in the verses there in 1 Corinthians, it's important that we do it with a proper spirit and attitude. David talks about his, in verse 8, David talks about his love for God. I'd like to pick out three different things here in this psalm. And three things that we, three different spheres in our Christian walk that we ought to be looking at this morning. As we think of examining ourselves. The first one is our love for God. And the second one is our faith in him. And then the third one is our commitment to him. And uh, I don't know if you noticed in the uh, Sunday School lesson focus, that word commitment was mentioned as well. And uh, so there may be some uh, overlap there perhaps in some of those thoughts. So three examinations or tests that we want to look at this morning, as we sit here, as we look into the Word of God, three tests I want you to think about. Love, faith, and commitment. And on each, on each of those three tests, there's three questions. Now, those of you that go to school, have you ever had a test that only had three questions? I like tests that don't have a lot of questions. But you know, there's a downside to tests that don't have many questions. You can have one wrong and your score goes way down very fast, okay? That's the downside of having a few questions, only a few questions. Thinking about the test of love, I thought of some practical... Actually, this test Jesus gave to one of his disciples, and it was only three questions long. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 21... Now, the setting in, in this experience here in John's uh, that he's sharing is after the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, the disciples were perhaps somewhat, um, I don't know what their feelings were, but Peter had denied his Lord in that experience or through that experience. Where he was at, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, he had made a statement to the others. He said, well, I'm going fishing. And that's where they were here this night in chapter 21. They went fishing. And uh, it's so symbolic of, of a life without Christ. They didn't have a successful fishing day, a little like we had. <laughs> now, I like to say we had a lot of fellowship. Uh, we didn't have any fish, but we, we still had good fellowship. And uh, I think that's really what counts. The fish, the fish part is secondary, right? Okay. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with many fish over the years that we've had our annual church fishing day, and we, we have good memories of that. I'd like to begin reading here in this chapter, John 21. I'd like to begin reading at uh, verse 15, but that's some of the setting. The disciples were out. They, didn't, they had an empty, bad experience, and uh, Jesus came on the seashore there and uh, 
And he called to them, and he asked them to, uh, he told them, he instructed them, he said, throw your nets on the other side. And of course, we know what happened. They had a draught of a net full of fishes that they actually couldn't get it all in the boat. And Peter jumped out and helped drag the net to the shore. Jesus providing for them. He had a fire going, and he had some fish on. But yet he instructed them, he said, bring some of your fish over too. And uh, Jesus wants to use what we have. I think that's so symbolic. You know, Jesus could have miraculously provided the fish, forgot about telling him to throw the net on the other side. He wouldn't have had to tell him to do that. He could have had a whole catch of fish there ready for him. But no, he wanted to see their response. And then when they got to shore, he asked them to bring some of their fish too. Breaking in here at, at verse 15. So, this is after they had dined and had an exemplary uh, seafood meal. Verse 15. So when they had dined Jesus, dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus Loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said unto him, He shall not die, but if I will, tarry, but if I will, that, he will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And I'll stop reading there. You see the three questions of that test that Jesus gave Peter? He said, Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Now, children, have you ever had a test with three questions in it and the three questions are all the same? Now, that's, that's impressive. That would be an easy test, wouldn't it be? Was this an easy test for Peter? No, I don't think it was. Um, and I don't know. I know Bible scholars say that and I even have penned here in my margin that, you know, the first love that Jesus asked Peter was in the agape sense, and then Peter responds in the phileo sense, which is a lower level of love. And I don't dispute that. I think that's very likely what could have happened. But yet it's still impressive. And I think today, as I look at my relationship with the Lord, how many times must God ask me, do you love me? And even in the experiences of the children of Israel, Yo, oh, we will serve you. We will serve you regardless. You know, it's so easy to say it, but yet when we need to flesh it out in everyday life, that's where the test, that's where the true test comes. Lovest thou me? And I don't know. I like to think that as, you know, it could be that Jesus asked Peter three times because he denied him three times. That's another thought perhaps that we could look at. Uh, but you know, I, I like to think that as Jesus asked Peter those three questions, there was probably maybe a little, little different tone of voice, uh, maybe a little different eye contact, perhaps. 
You know, there's so much more can be communicated than just verbally saying something. And Jesus was good at that. Very good at that. He could see into the heart of Peter. And he could see, even though Peter gave those expressions, and even as we give our expressions this morning, to know that God is looking within our hearts and knows what beyond what our words are that we're saying. One of the things that I think is so impressive as I look at this test of love that Jesus gave Peter, and I think he gives all of us that same test, those three questions. Uh, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus does not seemingly give any indication of holding a grudge or holding any type of the animosity toward Peter. He was ready to restore him. He was ready to bring him back. And uh, God knew what Peter needed. I believe God was working in the heart of Peter as he asked those three questions. That test of love. I was impressed as I looked at, at Peter's response. You know, he had good intentions, I believe. He, was, he said, sure, Lord, I'll, I'll love you. And then Jesus told him, he said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Uh, but you know, Peter ended up doing what we so often do, what human nature wants to do. As they continued walking there with Jesus, uh, you know, he said in verse 19, he said, follow me. And uh, he turned around and he saw John also following. And John was already doing that. But you know, Peter's focus on his own heart's need was distracted by John's following. And he looked at John. And that's what we can be tempted to do. Rather than looking within my own heart this morning, we tend to look out around us and make some comparisons. And Peter did that. He said, uh, what shall this man do? And uh, so he was taking the focus off himself rather than focusing, okay, what about my, what about my love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, you know, what needs to take place here? Why did he ask me three times? Those are just some of the things that went through my mind. What, you know, really, I've got some growing to do here. Jesus is unsure of my love to him. Rather than looking and saying, well, I make it every Wednesday evening to prayer meeting, or I'm here Sunday morning 20 minutes early, or whatever. Doesn't that establish my love for the Lord? It may. I'm not saying, but it needs to be deeper than that. It needs to be more than that. We can't necessarily, uh, it's a personal relationship with him. So the purpose of our service this morning is to answer that question. What about my love for the Lord? You think of Jesus asking you, me, personally that question. Where does, that fo where does my focus go? Do I tend to focus around other, looking at others rather than looking within my own heart? That test of love. Three questions. Three questions the same. Do we get it? Is God assured of my love to him? Well, the second test, the test of faith, you might already know where I'm going with that test, to Hebrews chapter 11. And I shouldn't take time to read this entire chapter, but uh, there are three questions on this test, too, the test of faith. And I already gave them away in a Sunday school lesson. Where did I come from? 
Looking back, that's in verse 3 of chapter 11, the faith chapter. Question number two, why am I here? You know, do I need faith today? I need faith today to serve the Lord. And that's in verses 6 through 8. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. We definitely need faith. Sometimes we think if we're living in the here and now, we don't need faith. It's what we, we tend to think of faith as something that's out ahead that keeps us going. Well, that's part of it. But I need faith today. I also need faith in looking back so that I understand where I came from. That's what it talks about in verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We give credit to God for everything that is here. You know, the world today has to come up with a different theory. And different idea where they came from because they do not want to give recognition to God. The third question, where am I going? And that's the looking ahead part or portion of faith. And that's maybe what we oftentimes think about when we think of faith. And that is important. That is a very important part. We see that in verses 13 and also verses 13 through 16 and also verses uh, 40. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plain that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city." And then the last verse here in the chapter, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Again, that faith keeping us focused on that which is beyond, rather than being distracted by the temporal things in this life. Faith is essential in our relationship with God. Do I see God working in my life daily? You know, I don't care. uh, I don't know who would be the strongest here this morning. And it really is immaterial, physically strongest. Who could run the mile the fastest or who could uh, bench the, the most weight? Or who has the highest IQ level? Uh, you know, the world, our, we live in a, technolog- a technological world today, and, you know, IQ gets you pretty far. Uh, but is that going to be enough? The highest IQ level, strongest uh, physical strength. We, humanity at its best is so very, very fragile. We, we know that. But do we, do we live that way? Do we realize that human life is, is so very fragile? You stop and think about your timing of your life, my life here today. You know, not a one of us sitting here this morning had a part to do that when we arrived on the scene of time. Uh, we can sometimes let our minds wander and say, well, would have I enjoyed living better back in the 1800s? Uh, or back in the Reformation, if you could choose when to be, have been brought into the world, into the time frame of, of the world as we know it, would you have chosen a different time? Well, it's foolish to maybe even think about that, because we didn't have a choice. God placed us here. We, we give credit to God for bringing us together, as, even as this congregation here is today. Uh, it's an interesting thought, though, to think how God has, has brought us together as a congregation. Not a one of us really had a part... In, in, in being in, we may have had a part in, in, in coming to this congregation. We had some choices to make, uh, some decisions to make that we arrived here and came here, uh, coming from all different walks and places in this world. But, uh, you know, it's impressive that God had an overruling uh, 
part in bringing us together as a body of believers here at Prairie Mennonite Church. And I, I want to express my appreciation for each one of you as members this morning. It's all in the Lord's hands. You know, that's looking back. Um, seeing how God has... And, and you know, the, the longer we walk with the Lord, uh, and the more we... Not that we want to focus... Uh, this goes back to our questions. <laughs> not that we want to overdo looking back, but there is not... It's, I guess the older we get, the more we reminisce, probably. And I'm telling on my age, perhaps. Uh, you know, we, we think about things in the past, and... and Times are changing, but, uh, you know, that's all part of life. Um, but why, why am I here today? Well, verses 7 and 8 in Hebrews chapter 11 very, very clearly give us a mission and a purpose. God has, God here com, uh, commissioned Noah. He said, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And... Uh, then it goes on to Abraham by faith. Abraham was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. Two very, very impressive examples. Noah and Abraham moving in faith. Um, we need faith today. Am I building an ark? Am I answering the call of God like Abraham did to go out? Sarah is another one I wanted to mention. Through faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength. Am I a channel that God can use? Where am I going? Verse 16 is clearly our goal. We desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called our God, for he hath prepared for us a city. Faith, again, that question as we think of the idea of faith, where did I come from? Why am I here and where am I going? Those are three questions we need to ask ourselves in relation to our, our, uh, our faith with God as we walk with Him. Uh, there are many times, as I think about past council experiences, uh, there are many times, especially young people and older ones too, we don't know what the future holds. And sometimes an expression is given that we're not certain what the Lord has in mind for my life. And we may not have full certainty what God has planned, but... The important thing is that we follow him one day at a time, one step at a time, in faith. And uh, that's when God can use and that's when God can bless us. Well, coming to the test of commitment, again, three questions. Turn to Romans chapter 12 for this test. Familiar passage of scripture. One that many of us have committed to memory. Back in school... A very good portion of Scripture for the child of God to have committed in memory. Well, what are the three questions here as we think of commitment to God? First of all, I need to look at my commitment to God. Okay. Secondly, I need to look at my commitment to the brotherhood. We often give that expression that we are, uh, have peace with God and we have peace with the brotherhood. But then there's a third question, a third dimension here that we maybe sometimes don't always think about in, in council service. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but yes, I think it is right because it's in the scripture. And that's our, uh, our relationship to those outside of the broader fellowship of believers. Uh, and I like to say, we, I'm going to title that question, How is my commitment to the cause of, 
of God's kingdom as it relates to those uh, in the world. And it mentions things like uh, uh, avenging not yourself and the evildoers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important that we have a right relationship with them and a clear relationship with them as much as life in us to live peaceably with them. Well, those are, the, those are the three questions of commitment that we need to look at. What is my commitment to God like? What is my commitment to the brotherhood at Prairie Mennonite Church or the broader kingdom uh, of God? And then also to the, uh, what is my commitment level to those uh, outside of Christ's kingdom? Well, looking at, at my commitment to God in verse 1, God wants you and me this morning as a living sacrifice you know, Abraham in the Old Testament, many times when, when he, was, uh, when he, when, when he uh, communicated with God and, and established things, he'd build an altar. Now, that altar experience is, is somewhat foreign to us. We don't maybe fully grasp it. You know, Abraham would build that altar, and there he would make, uh, have a time of fellowship with God and make a commitment to him. Somehow we need to, to grasp that more fully and... Uh, Realize that God wants me as a living sacrifice on his altar. And I thought of the hymn writer who says and asks us that question, is your all on the altar? Uh, you know, God won't force us on the altar, on his altar, but he wants a total surrender. And it's only as we totally surrender ourselves to him that we can experience that uh, uh, our lives as a living sacrifice. And I'll say, I'm still learning that. The human nature is very residuant. And it doesn't die easily. And uh, it's an ongoing walk with the Lord that we need to daily, the Apostle Paul said, we need to daily die to self. Is God clearly getting his way in my life? Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is that the kind of sacrifice I am, God? That those can see that, that, that God is good, he's our only reasonable service, and uh, can see God's perfect will manifested in my life. You know, that wasn't the case for the children of Israel in our Sunday school lesson. It wasn't God's perfect will, I believe. We mentioned about... AI, and what took place there, you know, how they suffered a severe defeat simply because of what was seemingly one small transgression. And, uh, you know, yet there was still that idea of, of serving other gods, nagging and following them along. And, again, I'm not sure what the time frame would have been there, perhaps, uh, the span of time from AI to our Sunday school lesson, but probably could have been 60... 60 years maybe, just a guess. Uh, maybe not quite that long, I'm not sure. Am I committed to allowing myself to be fully surrendered and placed on the altar of God? Well, what about the brotherhood? Notice verses 4. I'm going to just read these verses. For us, we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, 
or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, and given to hospitality. And that talks about the brotherhood, our dependence on each other, uh, our combined working together as a body of believers for the glory of God. God is glorified by our working together and building his kingdom to the cause of God's uh, Christ's kingdom. Notice, I need to be ready to suffer. I need to be ready to condescend. This is talking about the idea of beyond the third questionnaire, an answer to the, my commitment beyond the brotherhood. I need to be ready to suffer. I need to be ready to, for, to be condescended. I need to live peaceably with them and avenge not. Uh, I, need to be ready, I need to be ready to feed and to give them drink to those who are, would be viewed as enemies, perhaps. And keep doing good in verse uh, 21. Keep doing good regardless. We need to be ministers of, of, of goodness through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Well, as we've looked at these three tests this morning, that of love, that of faith, and that of commitment, and three questions that we ask ourselves, you know, they're thought-provoking. They were for me. I had to ask myself, how would God grade me as I look at those, my response to those questions? And I hope you have answered those questions somewhat as you've meditated on them. Uh, I'm not here to do the grading this morning. Relax. God does the grading. God can see into your hearts. God sees into my hearts this morning. You know, I had to ask, does, does God grade on a curve? That's an expression we use sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought that one through. It's just a thought that I had. Does God grade on a curve? And that's an expression where we, God looks at the overall picture and he says, well, this is, you know, teachers do that when, when maybe a test was not, the performance wasn't up to what they thought it should have been, and there's a wide range of grades, so they take the highest and they take the lowest, and they, they uh, kind of establish their scores that way. I would, without thinking some more about it, I'd be inclined to think that God doesn't grade on a curve uh, because he knows our hearts. And, uh, but yet I know God is compassionate, God is uh, loving. But we need to answer those questions, those nine questions, in a very real way. As we think of giving our testimony this morning, can we with the psalmist lay ourselves open before the Lord and say, God, invite God to examine me, test me. Am I to that level in my relationship that the psalmist was? May God bless us as we share our testimonies.